All right, that's enough music. Let's get to it. We tackle life podcast time. It is Wednesday, October the 6th. Glad to be with you guys. Always glad to be with you guys. Appreciate you subscribe to the podcast or that you listen to the podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. You know by now because you probably are a regular listener. If not, welcome to the first edition. You can email the show, we tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. We will talk about Ohio State and Maryland, although what in the world we're going to say, I have no idea because I certainly don't find that to be a very compelling game. Uh, we will talk about some of the other best college football games of the weekend. We will turn off my cell phone so I don't get any more cell alerts during the show. And we will talk about Urban Meyer. We'll talk about Urban at length as the Urban Meyer bar video has sparked a referendum on a number of issues. And we will discuss those. And we'll try to do it in a smart, non-frat boy way because that's how we try to do everything is in a smart, non-frat boy way. Reminder, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, official coffee of the We Tackle Life podcast. Get your 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You would not have access to great coffee from Indonesia, Nicaragua, Ethiopia, Thailand, unless it was for... Uh, unless it was for Paul and Grace at Hemisphere, and they not only bring you the great coffee, they plug into those local economies, they help people who are disadvantaged, and they sell it to you at a discount and ship free on orders of $30 or more. So order HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I love the people, love the mission, love the product, and love the fact that many of you have patronized Hemisphere for well more than a year. They've been the longest-standing sponsor of the We Tackle Life podcast. They're great people, and I only do business with great people. I've gotten to the point in my career where I don't have to just take any deal to cash a check, and I've long since passed the point where I would tell you something's good if I knew in my heart that it wasn't. I turned down a deal the other day because the person said, well, we had them for a while, and I got a lot of complaints. And I'm like, well, then I don't want them because I don't want to deal with complaints. I want to give people the straight scoop, whether it's on my uh, sports takes, my faith uh, applications at the end, or my regular radio show on 98.9, The Answer. Shout out to Justin Fields. Congratulations. He is the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I think we all knew Justin Fields was going to be the starter of the Chicago Bears at some point in time. I did not expect it to be quite this soon unless the Bears had gotten off to maybe an 0-4 start. Uh, They have not gotten off to an 0-4 start, but Andy Dalton was injured enough that they had a reason to put Justin Fields in the lineup, and now they are committing to him. They are 2-2. They are at the Raiders, which I don't think a rookie starting on the road is the worst place to you know break in at home there's a lot more anticipation uh he's already started a game on the road or he's already started a game at home he's won it against the lions so this will be his first start as the designated starter going forward and then it's going to get a little bit more interesting for aaron Rodgers or for uh justin fields oh i prefaced my comments there with a freudian slip because after he plays uh Derek carr and the L-A-L-V, Las Vegas Raiders. He plays Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and then at Tom Brady. Wow. Imagine if he beats two Super Bowl quarterbacks in his first uh, month as a starter. That'll be quite the accomplishment. So Justin Fields gets the call, and uh, I continue to say that his um, throwing motion looks a little problematic to me. The Lions were out physicaled in their game against the Bears. I would not imagine that the Raiders will be out physicaled, so we'll see. He was sacked nine times by the Browns when uh, they played in Cleveland. 
I think uh, Justin's going to make some mistakes, but Justin's going to look good at times, and that's what you get with a rookie quarterback. So it's Justin Fields' time, and we'll see. We'll see if he can be the Bears' uh, permanent answer at the quarterback position. They have certainly searched for one for a long, long, long time, and uh, they put all their faith in him. We'll see if that faith is rewarded. Okay, uh, I want to call attention to an interview that I was part of last night with Tom Ryan, the OSU wrestling coach. You say, well, you know, I like OSU, but I'm not really a wrestler, and I don't really know wrestling. If you like leadership and you like charisma and somebody who can command a room, then you need to go on my social media channels or go to Press Pros Magazine's social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and 10 minutes into our Press Pros huddle, make sure you watch the interview with Tom Ryan. He is... Such an amazing guy, and I think you'll all be wowed by the quality human being that Tom Ryan is. I would highly encourage any of you to get his book, Chosen Suffering, which is a reference to what you have to do to be an elite wrestler, but in Tom's life, uh, that took on a new meaning when he and his wife lost their five-year-old son, Teague, to the uh, inexplicable tragedy of a heart attack. So uh, Chosen Suffering uh, defines Tom Ryan's bounce back from that and the dedication he has shown to making a difference in many people's lives. And I have been enriched by knowing Tom Ryan. You will be enriched by that interview, and you will definitely be encouraged by his book, ChosenSuffering.com, ChosenSuffering.com. Okay, we have a college football weekend that will start with the Red River, I'm going to say shootout even though it's politically incorrect, Noon Saturday on ABC, Fox's big noon kickoff is Ohio State, so you get to hear you know Gus and Joel Klatt prattle on about Ohio State and how Denzel Burke's best football is ahead of him, shocker, as a freshman. Can you tell I don't like Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson? I know. I got buddies who listen to this and go, ah, oh, they're going to say to me, you're crushing them. I kind of sort of am. I just think they're such carnival barkers. And I like announcers who tell me why something happened, not what it happened. And I don't like, okay, let's just lay it out here. Let's see how much they do this. I don't like nonsensical overstatements that cannot be proven. What do I mean by a nonsensical overstatement that cannot be proven? Here's one straight from the Joel Klatt Wayback Machine. He said of Chris Olave one time, Chris Olave is the best deep ball, no, he said high ball, the best high ball catcher in the country. Okay. I'm sure Chris Olave is outstanding at catching high balls, low balls, outside balls, and upside down balls. Chris Olave's good. Really good. How could you ever prove he's the best high ball catcher in the country? Could somebody point me to the high ball catching competition that Chris Olave won. And that's just an example of the nonsense, empty syllables that come out of the mouth of Joel Klatt. And so I'm not a fan. And I just wish they would do the game down the middle, give me McDonough and Blackledge all day long, all day, every day, McDonough and Blackledge. And if Herbie had McDonough, I'd say, give me McDonough and Herbie all day long because I love McDonough 
and I love Herbie, and I love Blackledge, and I used to love Spiels because they're analysts who tell you why. They're not analysts who tell me what. I can see what. My eyes work. So does my brain. That's why I can't get my head around you saying that a freshman, Denzel Burke, has the best football of his career ahead of him. I hope so. I hope he hasn't peaked. Okay, I'm doing a podcast from a couple weeks ago. Sorry, I got back on that rant again. Michigan State at Rutgers. Let's see how Sparty fares on the road at Rutgers. Michigan beat Rutgers in Ann Arbor by seven. Rutgers got dough-popped by Ohio State last week. They returned to reality. We'll see if Mel Tucker and Michigan State can go into Piscataway, get business done, and prep for their home game against Michigan next week. This will tell a lot about Sparty. They got some potential in East Lansing. Not enough to beat Ohio State, but certainly enough to beat Michigan, but not if they go up to Rutgers and uh, fritter one away. Alabama is against Texas A&M. That's a game that doesn't feature two ranked teams because A&M's fallen out of the rankings at 3-2. and two. I do think Bama will struggle for a little while in that game, but I don't think Jimbo Fisher will be the first ex-Nick Saban assistant to defeat uh, Nick Saban. I just don't think that will happen. If you want to defeat who's across from you in court, you will be represented by Willis Spangler Starling and their fine attorney team. They do a phenomenal job, probate, wills estate planning, employment law, social security disability, personal injury, all the biggies, they handle it. They do it with uh, unmatched acumen, integrity, and relatability. You know, that's the thing I noticed when I sat down with Stan Willis, uh, one of the partners at Willis Spangler Starling, to go over my contract for my radio job, I was amazed how it was the first time, and I'd done this like five times with other attorneys, it was the first time I ever really understood a lot of the whys and wherefores and whereases in the contract. Stan, and uh, I know the rest of the attorneys on staff do a great job of not just telling you what's going on, but explaining it to you. And that's what you want, whether your legal rights are being infringed upon or whether you're pressing a legal action, willisattorneys.com, Willis. Attorneys.com, located in Hilliard, right off Truman Boulevard, just north of Mill Run and where Home Depot and Target are. So avail yourself of their expertise and mark it in your mind that when you need an attorney firm, WillisAttorneys.com. Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm of choice. Okay, I guess we now have to weigh into the Urban Meyer sordid barstool incident. All right, you know what happened. I don't need to do a play-by-play of what happened. You've seen camera angle one, camera angle two. Urban was in the wrong. He knows he was in the wrong. He appeared in Jacksonville. He apologized. But here's the question that I increasingly keep getting is, why is this a big deal? Is it because it's Urban Meyer? Yes, it is because it's Urban Meyer. Vic Fangio did it. You think anybody would care? No, except they think Vic Fangio is a dirty old man. But here is why it cost Urban credibility to the point where I do think Jacksonville seriously thought about firing him, okay? Urban, after their game against the Bengals last Thursday night, instead of accompanying the team back to Jacksonville, comes to Columbus because Corey Dennis and Urban's daughter, I think it's Gigi, I think. It's either Gigi or Nikki, I'm not sure which, is married to Corey Dennis. Okay, so, okay, I'm going to see my daughter and son-in-law and You know, the Buckeyes go to the facility, say hi to everybody, go to my restaurant, say hi to everybody. You look at that through the prism of your lens 
as a regular working stiff. And you say, what's the problem? His players had the day off. Why can't Urban do that? Because Urban's not a player. His off days are not mandated by the collective bargaining agreement. And if you know anything at all about how Urban Meyer coaches football, you know that with Urban, you walk into Darwin's waiting room every day. Survival of the fittest. What's your commitment today? Is it greater than your commitment yesterday? Do I have reason to question your buy-in today? If I do, I'm going to. And I'm going to stretch you, make you uncomfortable, and force you to produce more than you think you're capable of producing. That is the genius of Urban Meyer. That is the genius of Nick Saban. That is the genius of many coaches. Some do it in an intimidating way, like Urban and Saban. Some do it in an understated way, like Ryan Day. That's the genius of every coach. So Urban is not a player. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't get the day off. He's 0-4. He's got a staff. He's the representative of the whole organization. He's the face of the franchise. And so when Urban Meyer elevates himself above everybody else on the team and says, oh, the rest of you schlubs get on the team playing, fly back to Jacksonville, I'm going to Columbus. Well, that says, number one, I don't play by the same rules the rest of you guys do. I require you to buy into my rules, but I'm not going to buy into my rules because I'm above my rules. That's a problem. Here's the other problem. You're 0-4. You better have your derriere in your coach's office the next morning with your staff looking at film trying to figure out how to win a game. You need to send that message to your fellow coaches and to your owner and, yes, to your players. And you can say, well, this is just a bunch of performative nonsense, Bruce. He's not going to figure out how to win a game on a Friday morning for a game nine days later on a Sunday, and you might be right, but appearances matter. And when you're 0-4 and you don't come into the facility, it doesn't look good. And when you're 0-4 and you don't come into the facility and you show up on the internet sitting on a bar stool with a woman who's not your wife grinding up against you and you appear to be enjoying it, or allowing it, or somewhere on those two polar opposite continuums, that's not a good look either. And so, how many times have we heard Urban say things on Fox Big Noon Kickoff about Michigan's program, or Texas's program, or Miami's program, or Florida State's program, where proud programs are not getting it done. And he'll say things like, I remember one time he said, hey, a program is struggling, you got trust issues, or you've got a dysfunctional environment, or you've got selfishness. Well, ding, ding, ding. Check all those three of those boxes. Trust issues? Yeah, the players don't trust him because they were skeptical in the beginning. He's a college guy. You got to prove yourself. They don't care if you got three national championship rings. The NFL's different, and all the players know it's different. And Urban has to respect that it's different, and he has to win over their trust. Did he do that with this? Mm-mm. Number two, dysfunctional environment. Define a dysfunctional environment. Rules for thee, but not rules for me. That's demonstrated clearly by this incident. And number three, selfishness, which is a little bit related to dysfunctional environment because in this case, Urban's like, I don't care whether you want me to fly back to the facility and work on Friday. I'm going to see my grandkids. 
So it's just damaging to him as a leader of the franchise. You know, I didn't delve into any of the morality of it. I could. It's not a, it's not a fair point, really. It's not a necessary point to make because I think I've demonstrated and underscored why it's important for other reasons. And so that's what he's dealing with. And that's a very difficult thing to deal with because I'm sure he feels like he let a ton of people down that he cares for deeply and he knows he compromised his leadership and he doesn't like being embarrassed. We already know from his incident in Chicago where it was self-inflicted lying about Zach Smith's arrest. We already know that Urban doesn't like to admit his foibles to the press and So when you make a mistake like that, you are a guy who already has a fair amount of people who, sadly enough, enjoy pushing themselves up by stepping on you. It births stories like this one that I see online at theactionnetwork.com. Urban Meyer back in college? How athletic directors view the Jaguars football coach for a potential hire? The Action Network asked 65 athletic directors if they would consider hiring Urban Meyer in 2022. 27% said yes, 73% said no. That splits out among Power 5 schools, which if you think Urban's going to coach at a group of five school, forget it. Couldn't afford him, first of all. 85% of Power 5 ADs said they would not hire him. Okay, that is in no way, shape, or form true. They can all find their, you know highbrow, highfalutin ideals when they have a coach. It's early in the season. They don't need to fire their coach, and they don't need an unbelievable winning machine like Urban Frank Meyer. They get down to the end of the year, and their butt's in a ringer because revenues are down, and they need to win games. All of a sudden, Earl's, or excuse me, Urban, that's a Freudian slip, Urban's uh, scars don't look quite so disqualifying. So, uh, Do I think USC will hire him? First of all, he's got a job in Jacksonville. Maybe he turns it around. Maybe they win three, four, or five games. Who knows? I think Urban will be more inclined to listen. Probably he's raw, though, from the NFL. He's probably like going to do another thing. And then need another year off. Then he's pushing 60. And then is it feasible for him to become a college coach? I don't know. Uh, Here's a Power 5 AD. Tells the Action Network they would consider hiring Meyer, but only after doing a deep dive in his past. Oh, yeah. See, this is what they say to, like, make themselves sound like, oh, you know, Urban's a troubled soul. But here at Polytechnic Western Carolina University College, we have unique abilities to minister to his psychological needs. and We understand him and care him in a way that other people don't. That's why they say, oh, I'd have to do a deep dive on his past. Let me see. Oh, here's the deep dive. Year one, Ohio State, 12-0. and 0. Year two, Ohio State, 12-2. and 2. Year three, Ohio State, 14-1 and 1 national championship. <gasps> deep dive completed. You're hired. Yeah, that's the deep dive right there. But here's the quote. Yes, I would consider him, but I'd have to really attempt to understand what happened at Ohio State. It would be, I would be more concerned about his time at Florida and the number of player character issues there. Oh, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm sure. He coached Aaron Hernandez, and you're not going to hire him because of that. Sure you're not. Of course. Uh, another AD, maybe one of the few honest ones out there, said, absolutely I'd hire him. He wins. I would be concerned knowing he may not be with us long, but I would make sure the buyout was airtight and protective. Now, there's a good AD right there. There is a good AD. As he would write the buyout so that Urban couldn't walk away with tens of millions of dollars, which i sure that's what Shad Khan, the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, is trying to figure out if he fires Urban. Is How can I fire this guy and not owe him a scad of money? I would guess Urban has a pretty good attorney. I know he's got a pretty good agent. Used to be Trace Armstrong. So I'm pretty sure Urban has bulletproofed himself against that. Okay, so there's my dive on Urban and what's going on with Urban. And um, I Do I think Urban Meyer will be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the 2021 NFL season? Wow, that's a question, isn't it? Do I think Urban Meyer will be the head coach? I'm stalling so I can give my answer. The head coach of Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the 2021 season. Can I call up their schedule and take a look at how long this losing streak that's now gotten to 20 games and is only four games long with Urban? Can I take a look at that? And see, first of all, what I would say about it. All right, here's the Jags' schedule. Against the Titans at home on Sunday, then against the Dolphins. At Seahawks, Bills at home. They get three of their next four at home. Then they're at the Colts, 49ers, Falcons, Rams, Titans again, Texans, Jets, Patriots, Colts. I think they're going to win three games. I think they're going to win three games. So I'm going to say, yes, he'll be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the year because he does not want to give his critics satisfaction of of uh, of quitting. I just don't think he'll give them the satisfaction. But he doesn't look good right now. He doesn't look good. He doesn't look healthy. And uh, we'll have to see if uh, I'm right. But I would say, yes, right now I would bet that he will be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the season. There's no doubt Kevin Stefanski is going to be the coach of the Cleveland Browns at the end of the season because the Brownies are off to a 3-1 and one start, getting ready to go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers at SoFi Stadium. That's a 4 o'clock game on Sunday. Then they have the Cardinals. Cardinals are at home. Cardinals are not nearly as good uh, on the East Coast as they are when they're playing in Glendale. Then Broncos, Steelers, and at the Bengals. So the Brownies here with their next four, next five, uh, could get just past the halfway point of the season. Remember, 17 games in the regular season. I'm going to say they will win four of their next five. And they will be sitting there seven and two. Four of their next five. I do think they'll beat the Steelers handily at home. I do think they'll beat the Broncos handily at home. I think they'll beat the Cardinals. I, yeah. 50-50 50-50 on Bengals and Chargers. So I'm going to say they'll lose one of those, win one of those. So they'll be 9 and, uh, no, excuse me, 7 and 2 at the midpoint of the season. Uh, Baker Mayfield will play great on Sunday. That's my prediction. Not because I believe in Baker Mayfield, but because this is who Baker Mayfield is. He has a bad game, and then he has a really good game. And I'm sure he's heard all week long about how crappy he's been. And so um, he'll be better. He will be better than his opposite number most nights because the Browns' defense has been 
phenomenal all the way around. Uh, they've made Justin Fields look bad. They've made Kirk Cousins look bad. Uh, it's not hard to make Davis Mills look bad. Uh, but they've done that. And so with Beckham back and with Jarvis Landry coming back, I think Baker Mayfield will be fine. Uh, but again, I don't believe in him long term. I think the better the competition, the greater the chance that Baker's going to come up short in a in a big game. And come up short in a big game, you're done. Season's over. But Browns are at that point where playoffs are still enough of a novelty that I don't think they'll bail on them. I just hope the Browns don't commit debilitating dollars to Baker Mayfield because I don't think he's worth it. I just don't. I know his bird in the hands better than two in the bush. Brown's had a hard time finding a quarterback for years and years and years. I get it, but, you know, I mean, are you better off not having one and looking for one, or are you better off having one that'll tease you and then break your heart? When you're not getting your heart broken, you think that's better. When you are getting your heart broken, and believe me, I took the seven-mile walk of shame after they lost to the Broncos for, the like, the fourth time in the Bernie era. Uh, when you're not good enough, being close eventually ceases to be a comfort. And so we'll see if that's where the Browns are headed. As for the Bengals, the Bengals have the Packers at home on Sunday. It is uh, the last home game they have for a while because somebody hates the Bengals. They play at the Lions, at the Ravens, at the Jets. They should uh, win at Detroit if they don't. Sorry, Spiels. If they don't, I'll be happy for Spiels. But it'll tell me that the Bengals are uh, a year away maturity-wise from being as good as their talent suggests they should be. Their talent, hey, man, defensively, they're good. They're good defensively. And offensively, they believe in Joe Burrow. Did you see Jonah Williams talking about, eh, we were tied against the Jags, and nobody thought we were losing that game. We're going to go right down the field with Joe Burrow, and we're going to win that game. And they did. They did. So uh, kudos to um, Joey B. He's back all the way from his knee injury. He's come back from it better than I thought he would. And um, I think the Bengals are a legit team, a team that uh, is worth paying attention to, and a team that has uh, a very good upside for the future. Who's got the better quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, the Bengals or the Browns? There's no question the Browns have the better supporting cast. But if you don't have the better quarterback, you're not built for the longest of the long term. And I would say Joe Burrow is closer to the kind of quarterback you have to have to win a Super Bowl than Baker Mayfield is. Yes, I know the sample size is small, but that's just the vibe I get from Joe Burrow. Remember? 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 Which one of them has a national championship? Which one of them had a big lead at halftime against Georgia in a Rose Bowl and couldn't bring it home? Mm. It is what it is. Sorry. Sorry, Browns fans. I know you don't want to hear that. I'm trying to keep you from getting your heart broken again because I've had mine broken plenty of times. Now, do not get your heart broken by high insurance costs. If you're a business owner, provide the best insurance for your employees that you possibly can by going to auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. Outstanding insurance options presented to you. You pick, you save money because AUI will be paid by the company that you select to do business with. They'll pay AUI. You don't have to. Individuals, open enrollment around the corner. Why would you just let it ride with the health insurance you have without looking to see if the doctor, hospital, copay you can afford are still a part of your plan? Maybe you've passed the years where your 
needing maternity benefits. <laughs> Maybe you're like me. The most important benefit you can have is orthopedic. And so is that a robust part of your health plan? Well, you don't know, probably. But AUI does. Go to their website, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com, and type in your questions in their chat. You don't even have to meet them, but you're missing out if you don't. Because Chrissy is a phenomenal, phenomenal person. She, Julie, and the rest of the staff do an awesome job at auiinfo.com. Service always free. You're never tracked. You're never hit work, hit for other costs. It's free. Trust me. auiinfo.com. Okay, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to talk about light and darkness. And this is a familiar concept presented in the Bible many, many times, most often, I believe, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, where light and darkness are mentioned numerous times. And John is a very gifted writer, and he uses this contrast between light and darkness to show what the world is like with the light of Christ and what the world can be like when the light of Christ, who John says is in him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's a wonderful phrase and a very vivid word picture that light carries the significance of indicating life, right? Um, darkness implies that uh, there's inactivity, passivity, lack of vibrancy. So light in men is put there, according to the disciple John, by Jesus, that we are created in the image of God, and we are vessels to display the light of Christ in our lives. Not everybody's given off the same light. There are many dark situations, dark viewpoints, dark perspectives in our world today. And sometimes the darkness feels as if it's going to overwhelm the light. And we experience that on a nightly basis when the sun sets and darkness eventually progressively prevails. It's an interesting concept in the morning for me to go down to my basement and sit in my chair, my Bible in my lap, and open my heart to God. As I do, at the same time, my eyes begin adjusting to the darkness. And I begin to make out shapes and uh, objects that I did not recognize when I first stepped into the darkness. I think that's indicative of our world. We can be far from God and in the darkness, but we adapt to the darkness in our lives. We get used to the compromises we've made, the laziness that I've exercised before spiritually, lose track of my Bible reading, lose track of my uh, 
adherence to Scripture, lose track of my thoughts, pondering what would God have me do in this situation. And for a while, I kind of feel like I'm floundering, but then you sort of learn to manage much as you do in a dark room. Oh, there's the chair. Oh, there's the ottoman. Okay, I can walk through the room now, and I won't run into anything and pratfall, hurt myself. But I notice in the morning, even though my eyes adjust to the darkness and I can see things, when I turn the light on to read my Bible, I have to squint. And as much as I've gotten accustomed to the darkness and able to quote unquote function in that darkness, uh, light is a stark change. And it's, it's actually somewhat painful for my eyes to adjust to the light. And I don't think that's atypical of our life when we turn away from bad habits, bad practices, spiritual laziness. It sometimes hurts. Maybe you have to admit a flaw, like the clear pain on Urban's face when he admitted his flawed behavior in that bar. Sometimes we have to confess that we've been um, existing in darkness, making do, getting by, hiding, underachieving. But it's a necessity to face the light and infinitely better to exist in that light than it is to try to muddle through in darkness. I have for a lot of my life underachieved spiritually. I have been blessed to achieve many things in other areas, professionally, athletically, personally. But I can honestly say that though those three areas are not what they once were, not financially certainly isn't, (laughs) athletically not even close, This is the greatest time of my life spiritually. And that's cool. I don't mean to convey at all that I'm a finished product. In fact, the more I know, the less... The more I know, the more I know I don't know. Does that make sense? The more I believe that I grow in Christ and understand the gospel and comprehend my responsibility uh, as a disciple of Christ, the more vast and uh, infinite and um, (laughs) it's just the more vast and infinite God seems to me. It doesn't mean he's hiding from me. It just means that as I discover more, I'm thirsty to discover even more. And I'm never disappointed. Like, well, I guess that's all there is. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So my point would be that if you are right now existing in darkness, afraid to turn the light on in your life, afraid to reroute your behavior, afraid to change your habits, dig into the word of God, find out what he has for you, sit quietly and humble yourself before him. I know the the light coming on is uh, not always pleasant, but it is always beneficial. And if you're in that stage that I am where you're 
seeking and reaping from your seeking, um, God's got a purpose for you in that. He's probably not doing it so you can enjoy it and keep it all to yourself. He probably is preparing you for a application of that improvement in that aspect of your life. Scary situation, he's preparing you to handle something tough. Um, better situation, he's going to bring somebody into your life that he's uniquely equipping you to help. So be on the lookout for how you can take this productive period in your life spiritually and share it with someone else and share it with someone else. Because I'm pretty sure that the goodness of God is manifest when he favors us with growth and then gives us the joy of sharing that growth with someone else to help them grow. In, in Corinthians, it talks about comforting others with the comfort you have been given. If you've been enlightened spiritually and you're growing and you're flourishing and you're gaining, I don't think that's just for you. That's why Jesus says, you know, you don't bury your light under a table, man. You let that sucker shine and light the whole room up. So um, make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that you're trying to um, see who God might be placing into your life so that you can do some of the things with the bountiful wisdom he's sharing with you and blessings he's sharing with you to benefit others. With that, I will bid you adieu on uh, a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. PressProsMagazine.com for that Tom Ryan interview. Send me an email, WeTackleLife at gmail.com. Review me on iTunes. I'm going to check the reviews on Friday. Please give me some fresh reviews, and not just from George, one of the most loyal listeners to the podcast. George is always reviewing it. I love George's reviews, but some of you rather people weigh in with a review, please. Thanks. See you on Friday.